It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From the TCL studios, it's Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Write it down. You like writing things down. Write this down. Write that down. I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that. Write that down. Write this down. Hey, gentlemen. I keep scrolling through and seeing Jimmy Butler news and (laughs) speculation. Well, I told Manny last hour, you're basically... If you're to put the Woj tweets and reports together today, we're now going to border on insubordination if he's not traded. Oh, this is... I mean, it sounds like Glenn's saying trade him. Glenn's being proactive and Tom saying, I don't want to do that. And at some point in time, it's just insubordination. Should we just go to Wolves media day with three huge tubs of popcorn and sit <laughs> and just, we don't even have to talk to anyone. Can we just sit in the front row on Monday at Wolves media day and just oh, eat popcorn? I'll, I'll be there. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be a zoo. Everyone's yeah. going to be there. Woj might show up. You never know at this point. Well, I know. So, um, I was the on the jump's going to show up. So the jump's going to be there. I, think they I was are. I was listening I was listening yesterday on my way home to uh, NBA radio on satellite. Oh yeah. With like Scalabrini and Frank Isola. Yeah. And they were saying how cuz they're going to be there and they were talking openly about how <laughs> should we cancel it? It's weird. Like what are we supposed to we're going to ask them about all this and they're not going to say anything. Cancel it. I know you need to cancel double down it. On it. No, bring, you need to be there like right away. Bring more people. <laughs> Write that it down. You there. like writing things down? Oh. Write this down. I'm guessing there's going to be some Timberwolves-related predictions. I know I have a, a Wolves-related prediction to write that down, but let's get to the accountability session first and foremost here. Judd's been active. You had 11. You went 0 for 11 last week. You had 11 things come off the board. Yeah, I sent myself down to Rochester. You had nine more things come off the board this week. We've never had a run like this where this much came off the board in two weeks. No, it's uh, and it's a diverse collection. It's it's like there's some wild in here. Uh, but let's see. Let's start with Manny, who said Aaron Rodgers would not finish the game on Sunday, and it would be because of injury. Yep, big swing and a miss there. He's a warrior. Get How used to dare it, Manny. You question him. Get used to it. It's what happens. And write that yeah. down. It's like th- these predictions sound great in your head, and then <laughs> just like yes, it's mostly just a bunch of buzzers. Uh, I said the Twins would finish above five hundred this year, and I said it like a month and a half ago, swinging for the fences. I think they have 81 losses exactly, so they can't, mathematically, they can't finish above 500. And I said the Wild would, would find a way to trade Miko Koivu this summer. I mean, I guess there's still some. <laughs> what, time did I inhabit it. your yeah. brain for like 30 yeah. seconds? Well, here's what you predicted you said there would be a credible report that Miguel Sano's weight has reached 300 pounds this season. In fact, there's one that he's he's, he's trying to get down to two forty. Well, there, no, I I came I came close at some point, right? 
Or or did I make that after early June? Uh, it was it was before he got sent down. You okay. made the prediction, so I came close because he but was we never had three bills in a report. That yeah, I saw. no, but I'm just saying that I did at least come close. It's not a complete embarrassment, just sort of one. Well, if someone listening can do a Google search for Miguel Sano, <laughs> 300 pounds, and it's somewhat credible, send it to us, and we'll we'll take a look. <laughs> uh, you said the links would beat the sparks in the WNBA files. You said there'd be a credible report that Joe Maurer would be asked to waive his no trade clause, and actually, actually, there was. I I reported it. Oh, you did. Okay. All right. No. We'll ignore that word credible. <laughs> credible, yeah. I just reported it. I think there was a report to the contrary that they didn't approach him about waiving it. So, yeah. Uh, you said the Gophers would go 2 and 1 in the non-conference portion of their schedule. Went 3 and 0. Mhm. Uh, where did Eric Carlson get traded to again? San Jose. You said the Stars. Uh, you said the. Oh, you also said. Now you have a Carlson prediction for uh, the Norris Trophy this year. Yeah. Uh, you said the Gophers would finish four and eight this season, but you said they'd go two and seven in conference. And mathematically, if they were to go two and seven in conference, they wouldn't be able to finish four and eight because they already have three wins. Therefore, see, this is where you're doing math just royally sucks <laughs> I for was me. Told there would be no math. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because if they go two and seven, then they yeah, still I know, finish okay, with all right, five okay, wins. Okay, let's move on. And, and by the way, five wins would get them to a bowl game. Um, you said the Vikings would be called for at least two roughing the passer penalties on oh. Sunday. They got called for two 15-yard penalties, oh. but one of them was Kamikaze Anderson Deho. I didn't see Clay coming. However, however, you said the Rangers would fire Jeff Bannister before the season is over. A buzzer beater. Yeah. Take that. Does that happen today? Good. Take yeah, that. That happened today. Yeah. Jeff Bannister out. To go. How about okay, that? How bad must things be if you have to fire a guy a week before the regular season's over? Pretty bad. Uh, you also said Daniel Carlson won't be the Vikings kicker all year. He'll be demoted or cut due to performance reasons. There you go. Okay. We'll give you a double on the banister and a single on the Daniel Carlson. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. <laughs> so uh, with all of that, Judd is hitting 252 and slugging 458. I'm hitting 238, slugging 400. Listeners are hitting 208, slugging 442. And the guests, including Manny, we're going to put you in the guest bin here for the rest of the season. Okay. Uh, hitting 238 and slugging 615. So a bunch of Adam Dunn's in that guest compartment. Just swinging. <laughs> so am I at this point. Write it down. You like writing things down. Write this down. Uh, we'll go Judd, Manny, Phil around the room three times. All right. I might as well start with my Wolves. Write that down. Tibbs will not be the Wolves coach by opening night. Wow. Tibbs will be out. I should just say, who cares? Tibbs, well, on opening night, he won't be. Not just coach, but Tibbs will no longer be running this organization or have a role. He'll be out by opening night. And when is opening night? Uh, last week in October? Uh, they moved it into October. check. They played the Spurs, I believe. And where is the full schedule? I think it's. I think. I think they stretched the schedule last year to be. Yeah. A week earlier. Yeah. So they you got get one to month. eliminate the back to backs. Right. They made it. Write this down. It's a bold prediction. Write it down. You like writing things down. Okay. It's not a big deal. It's you got like a month to pay it off. All right, Manny. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers will not make the playoffs. I think it's pretty bad out there. That defense is terrible. There's. I think there's uh, some guys bickering at each other. I think people are mad at each other. I don't think uh, Mike Tomlin has a full grasp of that locker room right now, and uh, the Steelers will not make the playoffs. Write it down. You like writing things down. Write this down. All right, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go same division as Manny here, and maybe we're both overreacting to what's happened the first two or three weeks of the season. But write this down: Baker Mayfield 
Well, the, the prediction is the Browns will win six games or more. That Baker Mayfield's presence as an actual NFL quarterback, the first one they've had since they brought the franchise back in 1999, the Browns with a weak schedule and Baker Mayfield at the helm will win at least six games this season. Hmm. So put that in your... Write this down. Then Hugh Jackson keeps his job. Jordan Greenway will have 15 or more goals for the Wild this season in what is officially his rookie year. Okay. So Jordan Greenway, their big bruising center slash wing, wherever they like to play him, but he's going to be good, will have 15 or more goals for the Wild this season. Does it trouble you that, they, that they've that they started, is it 0-3 yeah, for the Ma- first time? Manny tried to troll me on this too, okay? We're not it's worried. We're not, <laughs> we at the X are not concerned about this. That third period. We're playing a lot of guys, okay? That, that third period last night. We're getting John, a look at a lot. Man. We're getting a look at a lot of guys. Did you see the Parisi tip into the Koivu setup? It was beautiful. So beautiful. Brought a tear to my eye. So beautiful. And, and then I went home. <laughs> Back quickly. to Manny. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Butler will be traded, and he will be traded to the New York Knicks. Really? Oh, okay. I like that. Okay. Write that down. Do you want to put a time frame on this? Uh No. But he I think we have to say to like within a year or something. Because if it's just open-ended, then we have to wait till uh, the end of his he, career. He will be traded to the New York Knicks uh, by opening night. Oh, okay. So before the season okay. starts. All right. I got will tips. never play another game. I got tips fired. You got, you got Butler being traded. Yeah. This is so oh the, the My favorite part about today, because everyone's piecing together the timeline of everything that's happening, and our biggest question has been, well, why would, why would this not have... Why would this conversation not have taken place? Why would Jimmy Butler not have? And it sounds like, oh, it did take place, or at least it was strongly hinted, and Tom Thibodeau just was in denial for the last three months. Mm-hmm. And they had to sit him down and say, no, dude, like, oh, we want out. And we're going to leak it out. <laughs> yes. Write it down. You like writing things down. Write this down. So with that said, Timberwolves prediction here. Two, it's a two-item uh, parlay. Glenn Taylor will not be quoted before Wolves Media Day. And Jimmy Butler will not be traded before Wolves Media Day. Okay. So Wolves Media Day will be wildly uncomfortable because Glenn Taylor will not speak between now and then, and Jimmy Butler will not be traded you, between now and then. You call it uncomfortable. I call it glorious. Well, uncomfortable for them, mostly. <laughs> well, that's fine. I can't wait. This is as excited as I've been for anything in a long time. And I'm not kidding. Write that down. I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that, then. Low-hanging fruit. The Vikings on Sunday will win by at least 17 points. So the Vikings will cover the spread? Or yeah, well, well, the spread I saw in the strip today was 16.5, I believe, but they, they're going to win by at least 17 points or more. See, I, f- I feel like I'm with you on this, but I almost feel like this is classic everybody running one way in the NFL, then you should, the, at least the Bills are going to backdoor cover and it's going to be 23. And to- yeah, you might be right, but I just, these guys are such a dumpster fire. Write that down. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, Manny. To piggyback off of Phil's uh, write that down involving the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield will be the NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Year. All right. That was a fun game last night. It was pretty fun. Yes, it was. Yes. So Baker Mayfield, you said Offensive Rookie of the Year? Yes. All right. Uh, Yeah, that was uh, the only thing that was really baffling to me was uh, the commentary was I love Aikman and Buck and I I think a lot of people rip on those guys and at the end of the game with about a minute to go and the Jets were facing a fourth and 10 from their own 25 yard line or something but they did have all three timeouts left and so uh, they had two choices go for it and they and even if they would have given up a field goal if they would have let's say they had 
they had whiffed, and then they give up a field. They still are down by only a touchdown. But Aikman and Buck were savaging them for not punting and trying to stop them and use your three and timeouts, timeouts yeah. and then get the ball back with like 40 seconds left with no timeouts in the same spot. Did you guys see? Uh, did you guys see Isaiah Crowell's uh, touchdown celebration? Yes, I yeah. Did. And that was and, a disgusting uh, act. And yes, it was. It was. It was, a, it was a disgusting act. Surprisingly, just, mellow Joe Buck on that. Yeah, too. he was just like, "We're <laughs> just lesson." Yeah. He just goes, "That'll draw a flag." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right. Final prediction: The Bills will not score double digits. The Bills will score single digits. And even if 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 there's a kick return touchdown, that'll that'll be it. The Bills will not score double digits against Mike Zimmer's defense. I almost went for a shutout, but I'm too big of a chicken, and I need bat- my batting average is suffering. Shutout so. would be a home run, probably. All right, against Buffalo. Yeah, I want to. I want to go there. I I need no. I need, I need batting average. I need batting average. Triple maybe. <laughs> the Buffalo Bills. No Cook. No Griffin. Both been cleared out for the game. Um, should we get back to this Minnesota sports? The the poll you guys put up earlier sure. in the show. You want to just remind the listeners so that they can go vote on it. Yes, it is excluding the Vikings. What is the Minnesota sports drought that you would most like to see end? And it includes Manny. What it includes a Twins playoff win, Gophers Big Ten title. Correct. Yep. Football a, Big Ten title, a football Big Ten title, a Stanley Cup, and an and a or a Larry O'Brien Trophy, okay, NBA title. Wow, that seems so foreign, doesn't it? Stanley <laughs> Cup was actually the last time I took a peek was in the lead. Yes. All right, we'll we'll come back update people on that. Uh, the football hour in the five o'clock includes Sage Rosenfels, Matthew Collar, and Chris Singleton on Twins and baseball pennant races in about fifteen minutes. Every Friday, my friend Dale Tondrick and I have these discussions about retirement planning and making sure that you're thinking the right way long-term so that when you're, well, whatever your goals are, whether it's retirement planning or if it's just any kind of financial planning, we call it the Friday Retirement Playbook. Find your luckies at luckies13pub.com. We've got a bunch of purple podcasts scheduled for live recordings throughout the football season that we're excited about. But um, let's, let's fire this poll up again here. I found it. Manny posted this earlier. Excluding the Vikings... And this kind of plays off the Browns finally winning a football game for the first time in 600-plus days. 35 days. And they unlocked all those Bud Light Christ- beer fridges. Christmas, cool Christmas Eve 2016 That's was the last time that they God. won a football game. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Uh, excluding the Vikings, which Minnesota sports drought do you want to see end the most? And the results right now are 38% Stanley Cup, 29% go for football Big Ten title, 19% say NBA title, and 14% say a Twins playoff win. Not surprised, even if there's hardcore Twins fans, you know, it hasn't been that long compared to never for right. the the Wild and or the North Stars. I would, you know what, this might shock Judd. I would put my hat in the Stanley Cup ring just because if we're going to be the state of hockey, That's what we I can't said. not have a Stanley yes. Cup championship. We're right. kind of fraudulent when we call ourselves the state of hockey and that we don't have a Stanley Cup championship. And when push comes to shove, the Vikings are by far the most popular team in town. So it's mm-hmm. not even the most popular sports. And in there's the Twin no, cities. there hasn't even been a Stanley Cup Finals appearance since 1991. Now there yeah. was some, there were some years in there, obviously, where there was no team. But still, I mean, come on, 43 years between the 26 for the North Stars and 17 for the Wild. 43 years of no cups. And the thing to me is this too: it's easily the coolest trophy. You just the physical trophy yes, or, the symbol, yes. or the symbolism behind the trophy or both? the physical trophy. Yeah. And like if you are going down 94 in a convertible 
and I give you the choice of the baseball championship trophy, which I don't even know what that really is. The Larry O'Brien it's trophy. Of, it's, bunch, it's like a bunch of pennant flags, right? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. The Larry O'Brien trophy, which is okay. The Lombardi trophy, which as we said, is really not that great. Or the Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. like um, Zach Parisi hoisting the Stanley Cup. The coolest thing is the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I feel like the Stanley Cup, you can also just sort of throw it in the back of your car, right? You can't do that with the World Series trophy because you'd bust off the flag tips. Although <laughs> although the people who, who travel with that trophy are now asking, they are requesting no more keg stands, which is no fun. What do you mean no more keg stands? They're concerned that the weight... Uh. They're concerned that the weight of an adult male being put on the top of that cup will snap off the cup part. Okay. So so after Ovechkin, which was the greatest celebration <laughs> that I've seen in my 48 years on this planet, they are now requesting, which I find to be incredibly lame, if it busts off, just glue it back on. It's also... Yeah, it, the the fact that you have a full time guy is his only job is to just follow the Stanley Cup around and and just chauffeur it around all off season. I mean, that guy's full time job is to ride shotgun next to the Stanley Cup or vice versa. <laughs> shotgun being the key Pretty thing. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So I would say so. That's number one for me. Go for a football Big Ten title is number two in in terms of results. I don't know. Some of these, like the Gopher Football Big Ten title and the Twin and the and the Wolves NBA title, seem so far fetched and beyond reality, don't they? Because <laughs> it's just it's so not far even like you, you can't even mentally flirt with it. At least with the Stanley Cup, you can think, oh man, the Wild have had some stacked regular season teams, and they went to the conference finals a few years ago, or well, I guess a decade plus ago. And the Twins have had these ninety-plus win teams, and they've gone to the ALCS, and you can kind of, and they've won World Series. And we've seen a World right? Series. Yeah. We've seen two World Series. And the mm-hmm. Vikings have had these awesome Super Bowl caliber teams, and they have another one right now, and it all feels very much like, oh, this could happen. The Timberwolves and the Gopher football team have come so nowhere far. near flirting with any of those so things, except for the away. one, the one year for the Timberwolves, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, for me, it was Gopher football. That's my number one, just because I've never. It's the one I want to see because, to your point, Phil, it's the one that I've never even like come close to. Like the closest in my 34 years on Earth, the closest that I could remember the Gophers being to winning the Big Ten championship was 03 yeah. when they blew the game against <laughs> Michigan. Yep. That, was, that was the closest thing, and that was those dreams were dashed halfway into the season. They were, what, 6-0 and going into that game, and then they, and then they lost? Mm. Like that's one of those games that we and there's probably a, a bunch of games that people have in their minds. The just the the slamming on the brakes as a fan in my mind throughout the course of those three hours. And I was a student. I was a freshman at the U of M, sitting mm-hmm. I don't know nine rows up in one of the end zones. And all of us at the beginning of the fourth quarter were planning how do we get past security and tear the goalpost down. I mean, those were, those were the conversations happening in the student section. Okay, they've got. Okay, they got security kind of lining up, but it looks like they've only got two that are two or, that are assigned to each section. And like so to go from how do we tear the goalpost down? Oh my God, they might have a chance to play for a national championship. To what just happened? <laughs> I am I am now pretty convinced that I will die without the golfers going to a Rose Bowl under any circumstance. I'm pretty convinced that well, I will see, not and, make it to see that. And the thing of it is, it's harder now. Oh yeah, because you have to because. 
you have to actually win a Big Ten championship game, whereas back then in 03, all you had to do was finish with well, the best conference record. Actually, if the goal is Rose Bowl, it's easier to get to the Rose Bowl now if it's not one of if the Rose Bowl isn't one of the college football playoff games, if it's because they rotate those. Yeah. So if the Rose Bowl is let's say the Sugar Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl are the two college football playoff games and the Orange and the Rose Bowl are the two like Hey, you didn't get into the college football playoff, but right, right. So you Which could one, yeah. you could get to the. Let's say you ran through an easy divisional schedule, mm-hmm. which there's not a lot of. Beside Wisconsin, your division's pretty easy, right? So you you go one loss in the regular season, and you get to the Big Ten championship game, and Ohio State beats you, and Ohio State goes to the college football to the playoff, Bowl. and you would and you you get Rose Bowl as kind. So it's actually easier that, to get to yeah, the Rose Bowl now than it Because, and I think that actually happened to Iowa, right? A couple of years, well, was, I think it was the first year of the yes. playoff. Yes, it did. Because Michigan State beat Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. Michigan State goes to the college football playoff, and Iowa goes to the Rose Bowl where they get drubbed by Christian McCaffrey and Stanford. And I'm telling you guys that I am pretty convinced I, I will be six feet in the ground and never see that even. That I will never see a Rose Bowl in this town. Some of it depends on what you think your lifespan is. Because I think P.J. Flex, I really, I mean, I'm rowing the boat more than anyone in the studio, but I think P.J. Fleck has a chance to put them in the Big Ten Championship game at some point in the next three to five years. I think I would be less surprised to see the Wolves win an NBA title. Really? Are you serious? And it's hard for me to fathom that. Yes. For, Just, it's, a, it's a Rose Bowl or a national championship? No, Rose Bowl. Getting to a really? Rose Bowl. Yes. The path to getting to a Rose Bowl is not nearly as I know. crowded as I you know. think it is. But it's still, I they've still... Been, they've been an eight or a nine or a ten win team. But until... Okay. All right. But if P.J. Fleck has... Let's say P.J. Fleck maxes out success. Let's say he's absolutely successful. This all works. And it goes from being skepticism to, oh my God, they're really good. I think he takes a higher profile job, probably your your Golden Domers, before he gets this team there. But he can't get that Notre Dame job unless he gets to a Rose Bowl with the Gophers. I, there's, there's no way Notre Dame would hire him if he came, if he went 9-3 and three and they won the you sure that? Sun Bowl or you something. You sure that? Yes. Zero chance. Because that's what I could see happening. But I was here for Holtz, too. Brian, so. If I'm not mistaken, Brian Kelly... Didn't Cincinnati go to... They went to the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, like you have to get to one of those bowl games before he, Notre Dame will hire he, you. He left. He didn't even coach in that Sugar Bowl. They got drubbed by <laughs> Florida. That's but right. He, he left for Notre Dame. And then I think... Uh, no, it wasn't Butch Jones. Butch Jones succeeded him at Cincinnati. But so whoever... Somebody whoever else his, coached him for that yeah, game? Whoever his assistant was at Cincinnati yeah. coached him in that, that Sugar Bowl. I think... I mean, I'm with you. I think... I do think PJ... I don't think this is his dream spot like no. he's saying. And this is the last... No. If he takes the Gophers to a Big Ten championship game or something or a Rose Bowl and uh, USC oh, he'll, he'll instantly knocks on have his another door. job if he does that. Yeah. Or Alabama said, hey, Nick Saban's retiring and we need somebody <laughs> enthusiastic. Why don't you come here and row the boat here? Yeah. There's still a long way to go before PJ Flood coaches Alabama. I should pump the brakes Could on that. Could you imagine him talking to the Alabama media and those fans down there? That would be, oh that, my would be God. that would be very interesting. The if you the absolute antithesis of Nick Saban is PJ Flack, right? Roll the boat. Roll tide. <laughs> that actually roll, fits roll really the, well. Roll the boat. Roll, roll, the boat, roll, roll tide. tide. Oh man. Uh, Chris Singleton's gonna join us next. We'll talk twins and baseball pennant race, the football hour coming up in, in a half hour. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins now. 
with former player turned ESPN baseball analyst Chris Singleton. All right, Mackie and Judd, Chris Singleton. We were just talking during the break here. I've got yep. a I've got a Wikipedia page up right now of the worst Major League Baseball seasons of all time, and oh, yeah. like winning percentages. The Baltimore Orioles are on that list. Yeah, it, is this legit one of the worst teams you've ever seen? Yeah, and they were bad. I mean, before they traded Manny Machado, I mean they were they weren't a good team. Let's just put it that way, by any means. And then you start. You know, trading some guys away, Gosman, Machado, um, and it was desolate. Chris Davis uh, essentially was traded away. Um, he just hasn't been there. You know, that no no production from him. Uh, we did a game a few weeks ago, Yankees Orioles, and I tell you what, if I had you know quarter, I could get a soda pop for all the the guys that asked me. You know, since then being out on the road, how do you guys do an Orioles game on Sunday night? <laughs> um, Alcohol. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the Twins should be upset that the Orioles were on Sunday Night Baseball um, because the Twins were more deserving uh, to be there. But it was a Yankee thing. They were up against the Yankees, and it was just sort of a makeup um, game. But, yeah, it, it's awful. Uh, selfishly, for me, you know, you say that, and this was brought up last week when I was on the road. I was on the Orioles in 2002, and, you know, we weren't a very good team then. But I kind of feel better about myself that at least – you know, as bad as the team has been this year, that you know, we actually looked like we were pretty good that year. Thingy, how did they? How did the Orioles get to this point? How did they get to be this bad? They were just in the ALCS what four years ago against the against the Royals. How did they get to this point? Window starts closing, and when you're in a tough division like the American League East, with you know payroll and budget that teams like the Red Sox and and the Yankees are able to have. Um, and you don't have a very good advanced, um, you know, analytics department and progressive in that way. So let's just say, for example, you take the Tampa Bay Rays, who've been, you know, arguably the best team in baseball in the second half. They've been tremendous. They are operating off of a small budget, but um, really utilizing, you know, analytics and everything else and performing well. So if you take the Orioles, who you know, have a larger budget, large, you know, more money to spend or willing to, if you will, um, based on what they've spent on some free agents and guys we've seen over the years. But then you paired that with a very good analytics department and, you know, put the, put those things together, you could have a different, you know, a different outcome. But I think that uh, maybe they're are a bit antiquated in that um, department. And what you've had with, you know, Mr. Angelos and, you know, Dan Duquette, Buck Walter, it hasn't been the best synergy there. So along with what we've seen on the field with some trades and changes, I'm sure we're going to see some changes as well, um, you know, in the skipper's seat or, or general manager's seat this offseason. Hey, Chris, from uh, bad to good teams, what is your thought on Cleveland as far as a playoff team goes? Because, you know, Boston and Houston are fantastic teams, and I, I like Cleveland, but the weird thing is, this division is just so damn bad. When, when you look at Cleveland, do you see a, a viable, very good playoff team, or how, how do you think they match up when they get to the postseason? Yeah, I, I think that Cleveland, especially if Trevor Bauer is back and healthy, um, I know they're talking about, I think he's pitching tonight a little bit um, and going to finish up in the bullpen, and you know he's 
Cy Young candidate, you know, before he got hurt. But uh, I do. I think that, especially when you look at the series that they had against Boston, which, you know, they have another series starts tonight at home. But in Boston, I mean, they really put it on the Red Sox. I think they swept them uh, in Boston. But, you know, just uh, a solid team beyond the division that they're in and, and how weak that division is, I think they, they showed and, and really opened the eyes of the Red Sox. Um, that series in Boston that they took, well, they took, let's say they took two out of four, but they were in good position um, starting. But Alex Cora, the Red Sox manager, essentially commenting on the Indians said, hey, they're, they're just like us. I mean, they're, they're, they have athleticism. You know, they've got, they've got bullpen. They've got starters. And I think there's a lot of respect there uh, that teams like the Red Sox, you know, or the Yankees, the Astros have for Cleveland. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but I definitely think they have as good a chance as anybody because it's also about kind of locking and getting hot. But I think they have the personnel that if they made it to the World Series, you wouldn't think like, oh, they didn't deserve it. They just got lucky and skated through. Yeah. Hey, Chris Singleton, you, you mentioned Alex Cora, and we've, we've had discussions throughout the last few years about Paul Molitor and, okay, what is when the Twins have been successful, how much credit does he get? Okay, when they've been a dumpster fire, you know, is, it, is it time to think about a new manager? How valuable are managers? How, do you have any way to quantify... A, how, how much credit a manager should get or or how much he should be blamed in, in either case. And uh, just in general, the manager's effect on a Major League Baseball team? Yeah, it's there isn't a, in my opinion, there isn't a standard measurement across the board because I, I think things are going to vary in terms of, you know, what what's the market that you're in, what... Um, What's the payroll you're dealing with? What's the um, experience of the club in terms of veterans, younger guys, mix? Uh, there are a lot of different variables, and I think that, for example, you know Dave Roberts, who's up for um, a new contract here in the you know in L.A. They've got an option on him, but I mean he's had great success. Um, it's not easy, you know. People think, well, look at the talent, the players that he's had. Well, you're also in Los Angeles, and you're also in an environment where it can be easy for guys to get distracted and not stay focused on winning baseball games. Um, so to be able to have, bring the energy every day and the accountability, I think there's a lot of value there. Um, in terms of looking at just pure wins and losses, it, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than in-game moves that are made. So it's kind of like flipping a coin, depending on a team, you know, you could look and say, Hey, this manager made the difference. If you hear Red Sox players talk about Alex Cora, you'll hear guys say, Hey, we got, we got the right guy, you know, that's leading us. So there is, I think that speaks volumes when the players say that because the players could easily go through, they could have a great season. Hey, it was about us. We played, we won the games. Um, just as much as they could, you know, if they lost, Hey, we didn't get it done. But when you hear guys that are talented, that, you know, acknowledge, hey, our leader, our manager has been great. Um, I think that, yeah, you you do get, you know, Alex should get credit. Um, you know, and not that he wants it. I mean, I know Alex Cora personally, and man, as far as a guy that's got the DNA to be a manager, it's it's unbelievable how sharp he is. And I went my first couple of years with ESPN doing baseball tonight, and Peter Gammons and I, you know, watching baseball games, and Alex Cora was still a player. He would tell me, 
Alex Cora is going to be a big league manager one day. Yeah. And this guy mm-hmm. still, I mean, he still's got a number of years ahead of him, you know, in his career on the field. Uh, but Gammon's had it, I mean, pegged. Little did we know it would be Gammon's team, the Red Sox. But here's Alex Cora in a position to, to perhaps lead this team to the World Series. Who is the best manager you've ever spent time around, either played for or just spent time around? And what were one or two qualities that makes makes you think that? Well, I would say, you know, having the chance to be around Tony La Russa, um, you know, has been been pretty cool uh, just to sort of see how he goes about it, his style. Um, there's no one guy for everybody. I really like Buck Showalter as well, and I'm probably a little biased because we work together at ESPN, so we would, we'd watch games together. And to listen to him as we watch the game – knowing that he's looking at it differently than I am, and he's thinking a couple of innings ahead just by nature when I'm not as a player. But also the fact that Buck would ask me questions. You know, hey, Chris, what do you think about? What do you, when you're this situation, what are you seeing right here? What do you? And it was really, I believe, from a, a true curiosity standpoint of, other perspectives even though he knows what he thinks and what he sees i felt like buck had a real desire to sort of gather information in different perspectives whether it was to maybe refine his own or to know what his opponents might be thinking in those situations so i became a big fan you know from a distance with buck it was i don't know if i like this guy but then once i worked with him and i was around him and i saw the baseball mind I was like, man, I'd love to play for this guy if I could. Uh, so those are the two guys, and I'd say I probably have had more interaction with Buck um, over the years than Tony La Russa, but I, those are those are ones that come to mind right away that, that I really admire. And, and they're not going to be across the board. People are going to say they love them um, because sometimes it's a personality thing too. But in terms of, of managing and, and, and leading, I think they, pro- they provide a, a pretty good example or blueprint. Chris, if you were to be named a commissioner of baseball for one day tomorrow, what would be your maximum allotment of champagne celebrations a team could have after <laughs> after winning various incarnations of wild card games or clinching wild card spots? What what would you max the champagne celebrations out at? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. I mean, and I'm with you. It's kind of like okay, we got the wild card. All right, great. We know we're going to win the division. Um, and I think the Red Sox, they, they toned it down pretty good. Um, it seemed like, you know, when they got the wild card, because they had their eyes set on, on winning the division. But, yeah, I mean, the visiting clubhouse guys probably aren't real happy uh, about that if you're doing it, you know, in that ballpark. But, I, you know, I always thought about, hey, if you believe that you're a championship team, kind of reserve that, you know, the best you can um, until it's, you know, really the most meaningful. But with that said, I don't ever want to forget how tough a, a Major League Baseball season is and the grind and the ups and downs and everything that you, you know, go through as a player and, and the coach's staff, that once you do sort of hit some type of, you know, finish line slash starting line into the postseason, I, I can understand um, a desire to want to celebrate. But, man, um, it, it's wild now with all the wild cards and everything else in, in divisions, the number of, uh, of celebrations there can be and, and the number of clubhouse carpets that will have to be changed. So, Singy, I want to ask you about the Yankees. How important is it going to be for them to hold off 
Oakland in the wild card. It looks like both teams are going to end up getting both wild card spots, but how important is it going to be for the Yankees to have home field in that game instead of having to travel across the country to play Oakland on the West Coast, and then if they win that game, have to travel all the way back across the country again to get ready to play the Red Sox? How much does travel, when you're traveling across three time zones like that, how much effect does that have on a player? Well, I would say this, that what's interesting, it might in some ways be better for both teams if the game's in New York because then you have a start that's going to be 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. If they play in, in Oakland, and I've been on Oakland teams in the playoffs, and you're starting a game at 5 o'clock, and, man, the sun and the shadows are tough. And it makes it it makes it more difficult. So when you're talking about, you know, whether it's losing a ball in the sun or having shadows at the plate to hit, it's a little more difficult. Um, you know, for one game like that, I don't I don't know how much it matters. I, I don't have the home road splits in front of me for the A's. I, I think more than anything, the team that you know, is concerned is the Yankees because the A's ability to use sort of that opener and really manipulate, you know, that starting position, you know, uh, role and, and roll that out, you know, for a game and, and perhaps create some problems with, you know, lineup wise, uh, especially as the lineup shrink back down to 25 man, um, create some challenges there. So I, I think the team that is the most concerned and should be, um, are the Yankees because they're expected to win. But then also the A's can say, listen, we're going to throw a couple different guys. Uh, and the wild card game is somewhat of an opener anyway because you don't have the time to sit around and let your starter figure things out. you got to have a quick hook. If he, if he doesn't have it figured out, you know, he's out of there anyway. So it's a little bit similar. But the Yankees more of a traditional club in terms of, hey, our starter, he's going to go through the – the order two or three times and right now i just don't know and i don't know if the yankees know you know who that person would be is it jay Happ? is it you know severino coming off of you know finally a good start um you know who do you who do you give the ball to so i i think i think more than anything where the game is i think the, mo- the most concerns the Yankees have. Well, we are uh, less than two weeks away from wild card rounds on October 2nd, October 3rd, and postseason. It's, uh, it's actually fall weather here today in the Twin Cities. Unfortunately, we don't get fall baseball here in the Twin Cities. Maybe next year. Chris Singleton, we'll catch up again next week, man. Awesome stuff. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Enjoy this last week. All right. That's uh, Singy from ESPN's Radio baseball broadcast. He's all over ESPN's uh, various platforms. We got the football hour here in about 12 minutes. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfeld is going to uh, join the show today. Minnesota. Live from the TCL broadcast studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. Here's a quick look at your traffic brought to you by the Better Business Bureau. 494 eastbound. We got a stalled vehicle and a lane is blocked near uh, Highway 100 and France in Bloomington. So be on the lookout for that. Also, Highway 100 northbound, we have a crash at uh, France and 50th Avenue North in Robbinsdale. Look out for a crash there. Join Better Business Bureau at the Torch Awards for Ethics. BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium on October 24th. Purchase tickets at bbb.org slash Minnesota. And now, 
another episode of As the Wolves Turn, starring Tom Thibodeau, Jimmy Butler, and Carl Anthony Towns. We're looking to add wings. <laughs> what else you looking to add? Just got to play hard for 48 minutes. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. All right, there's oh. a new story here from our guy John Krasinski, The Athletic. Judd is scrolling through it. Yeah, I found, okay, so basically Johnny, who's been all over the story now for a few weeks, has done a tremendous job of uh, compiling everything he knows into a long-form blow-by-blow of what the hell is going on here. This is deep in the story, but it's nonetheless very important. Sources say this week was not the first time Butler made it known to Tibbs that he was unhappy and did not see a long-term future with the Timberwolves. When it became clear early in the summer that he was not going to get the renegotiation and extension that he wanted, those feelings were made known to Tibbs, sources said. You're fired. What remains unclear is how definitive Butler was in his earlier remarks. Did he say he wanted to be traded? Did, did he say that he did not intend to sign an extension with the team when he becomes a free agent on July 1st, 2019? Or did he merely convey some disenchantment at the current state of the situation? That is what's unknown. Well, I don't think it takes a, a, a PhD to look at what was happening with the Timberwolves and understand that something was off, even during the, the playoff series. Like, why is one of the best even players... during in, the regular season. Sure. Yeah. But, but why is... I know it's easy to say, well, Carl Anthony Towns, why don't you be a little tougher, like Charles Barkley and company, and he needs to demand the ball and this and that. And, I, and yes, he does. But I looked at that and said, that's a group of guys on the court. There's something wrong. Something is mm-hmm. not right between Butler and... Towns and like well Wiggins is just a bad player anyways but <laughs> I was gonna say Wiggins like, does not factor it didn't, in like if you if Andrew you, if you had a full roster of guys with their coach all going in the same direction all fired up to pull a first round upset and all with the same mission and vision and all those things yep. and that's not what that's not what that would have looked like against the Rockets you still get beat but that's not what that would have looked like when's the when's the last time that you guys watched a team. And and we use this term throughout the course of the season to describe it, but watched a team that was truly joyless and there wasn't something wrong. Because they were joyless. The whole thing was joy. The, the whole exercise from everyone's standpoint, Butler, Towns, Tibbs, a good team. Wiggins. A good yeah, team. Right, right. But a good team. And, and that doesn't mean that you can't have good teams that have no friction. You can have friction. Friction's mm-hmm. fine if it's somewhat constructive. But when's the last time you watched a good team that appeared absolutely joyless, and it was proven that nothing was wrong. Yeah, well, you know what? Actually, the 2010 Vikings were were joyless at times, right? Like the Brett Favre second go around, and, oh, the, yeah. and then you find out, oh, they all hate they all hate the coach. That's mm. why they're joyless. Yes, they all hate Brett Childress, right, good team. and they're actively trying to get him fired behind the scenes. Yeah, yes. I can't I can't think of any team that was good and was having success, but you could just look at them and just say they were miserable and they weren't enjoying each other. I can't think of another situation like this. Mm-hmm. Like, they won 47 games and they made the playoffs. <laughs> like, that should have been for, like, Towns and Wiggins and, you know, Tyus Jones. and all, Like, this should have been incredible. This should have been an incredible experience for them as young players who have never had this sort of success at this level before. But everybody's just... Mad and crabby and just there, there's yeah. no. Ugh. I think what drives me nuts about this too is you're going to look at ten or fifteen years down the road. This season will be a, a blip on the radar. It'll be just this very brief era of Timberwolves basketball, and then whatever will be will be going forward. And on paper, if you would have said, "Okay, Jimmy Butler in his prime, who's one of the twelve to fifteen best players in the NBA," 
is going to team up with a coach that he loves and one of the bright, young, generationally talented superstar players, too. You'd, you'd say, on, on paper, what what should this be? And you would have said, this should be, what, three, four, five years of a team that bangs on the door in the Western Conference, and it's going to be a one-year blip on the radar. Yep. Jimmy, That's all it's going to be. Th- mm-hmm. This should have been eventually a conversation about Jimmy Butler breaking down. Like, that's where it should have gotten to. Yeah. It should have gotten to. That's what should have ended it, not this. And then we could have discussed if he should have gotten the max deal at at the time because if he started to break down at at 31 or so, that would have been a problem. But this should should be at, man, you know, it's really frustrating because Tibbs got this guy and he's breaking down. Hmm? We're not going to get close to that. Yeah. Or So either that or the other thing that should have shipwrecked this before what actually shipwrecked it is Andrew Wiggins' lack of productivity and bloated contract. That Man, this team, if they only could get rid of that contract and replace it with, could you imagine? And we're not even going to get to that point. And that's well, we will, be, but it'll be with a different version of the team. And that contract is like, it's not as impossible to move, I think, as Gorgie Jang's contract is because there's there might be one person that thinks, oh, Andrew Wiggins, well, he's only 23 and he might be able to, you know, but... It's you're not going to be able to do anything with that contract except endure it Hope, for the next for the next you know two to three years, and then as we get close to the end of it, then it might have some value because it'll be expiring if he's still not a good, very good player, which it doesn't look like he's going to improve upon yeah. that. By okay. the way, there was a story. I think I saw Woj reporting this, and or John Krasinski. I saw this from one of the two or, or both. That rival general managers have all flooded the Timberwolves' offices with phone calls. Well, Jimmy Butler, okay, yes. yep. and the Timberwolves have essentially turned them all away, Cro- saying we're not trading. We're not trading a superstar player. Cross, all right, guys. Cross says that the same thing here. That Tibbs has rebuffed trade calls to this point, even of the informal. What would it take? That several teams have started to call. Sources said, so he's not even taking the hypothetically. Let's just talk about. I'd give you three guys. Yeah, that's going to be. That, that that that's well, that's a mistake. But it like, he should be fired. Yes. Okay, you're fired. And if Glenn Taylor is telling him you have to make this trade and he's not, then it's insubordination and it's an easy firing. And Glenn Taylor, to, to our knowledge, has not spoken publicly about any of this in the last. He's not. No, he's seventy two no, hours. He flat out is yeah. not. Alrighty then. But besides that, everything's going well, great. Yeah. Media day on Monday. Training oh, camp on God. Tuesday. I'm telling you, three huge buckets of popcorn. Let's join Judd and let's just sit there. We don't even have to talk. We can just sit there and eat popcorn to quote and stare. The great Kevin Harlan, buckle up, baby. Yes. <laughs> and and googly oogly oogly, baby. Yeah. I saw a man fly. With no regard for human life. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get Matthew Collar in here for the football hour. Sage Rosenfels will join us as well. We have some injury updates. Who's in and who isn't against the Bills. And also, will the Vikings' patience with Laquan Treadwell eventually pay off?